Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hello, Sarah Shaw here today with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I am here today with Stephen Key, who is an award-winning innovator, a renowned intellectual property strategist, a lifelong entrepreneur, a speaker, a columnist, and the author of the best-selling book, One Simple Idea, that's about licensing inventions. The dozens of concepts he's brought to market have retailed in Walmart, 7-Eleven, Disney stores, and their parks worldwide, and have been endorsed by the likes of Michael Jordan, Alex Trebek, and superstar Taylor Swift. In 1999, he co-founded InventRight to teach others his unique process for harnessing the power of open innovation. And since then, he's helped people from over 60 countries license their ideas for new products. And in 2017, he co-founded Inventors Group of America, which I'm really excited to talk about. It's a not-for-profit with other leaders in the inventing community to teach individuals how to best commercialize their product ideas and strengthen and support inventor groups throughout the nation. So Stephen, thanks for joining me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I, I, when I'm listening to, to that, um, your intro about myself, I'm like, who is that guy? Uh, <laughs> so it's like... You know, it's funny, I've been around for so long, I think things just eventually add up. Uh, sure. Resume. But uh, looking back, I, I never had a resume for a job, so it's kind of funny to hear it now. Kind of I know. Somebody once asked me for my resume, a, a friend here where I live, and she's like, well, can I just see your resume? I was like, um, I don't have one. <laughs> and I, the look on her face was like, what? <laughs> How can you get through life? I was like, well, I've had two jobs. I worked in the film business doing costumes. Didn't need a, I mean, I have a film resume, but that's, you know, just list of movies I worked on. I was like, and then I've worked for myself, so I didn't really need to interview myself. So <laughs> that's the way it goes. Looking back, I think I've had really one job, maybe two in my whole professional career where I worked for a company. And they never asked for my resume, and I kind of laugh about that uh, because I think my enthusiasm and my drive that they said, look, this guy, if, if he can do half of what he says he can, well, let's just hire this guy and see what he can do. So <laughs> I, think, I think enthusiasm and determination goes a long way. Forget the resume. but Exactly. I agree. Well, so let's talk about how you got even started inventing products for yourself and sort of what got you on this journey, um, you know, that ended up with you writing your book and, um, you know, and, t and teaching people how to license their products. Well, I'll start real quick. I was at Santa Clara University and I was in the business department and I realized I was not having a lot of fun. 
and it wasn't for me. So I took an art class, and I loved working with my hands. I loved that creative process. And I went home, I told my dad, I said, hey, I want to be an artist. And he looked at me kind of funny, but my father <laughs> absolutely loved what he did. And he said, look, if you find something you love to do, you never work a day in your life. So I went ahead and jumped into art. Uh, went to San Jose State University and became an art major and and realized there's no way to make a living um, doing fine art. So I said, well, I'm going to have to just create my own job. And that's exactly what I've done forever is um, create um, – I think I have a knack of looking at a product and going, how can I make it a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and – so that's what I really have done. I created my own job. I, I didn't really want to work for anybody else. And I just wanted to make things and, and kind of design my own life a little bit. So, what was the first thing you made? Oh, gee, I made little, um, it was soft sculpture out of women's nylons with little funny smiles on their face. I call them softies. <laughs> Can't believe, you know, looking back, but... They were just really whimsical. They were fun, and I took them out to my first. Um, it was at a it was at a country uh, school. I had a little table, and they had arts and crafts booths there. And I set up a table, and and I remember my father coming by that day and asked me how I did, mm-hmm. and uh, I I said it was a fantastic day. And so, well, how many did you sell? And I said I didn't sell any. Um, <laughs> and he was like, "Are you kidding me?" But I said I, I said, Dad. There's something here. There's something about people I love, and there's something about I'll find the right product, right? I'll find it. I'll test it. And I learned how to test ideas very, very quickly to see if people want them. So that's what I've been doing forever It's coming up with little simple ideas. I don't try to reinvent the wheel. I think that's too hard. I try to make a small improvement on an existing idea because then I know there's a market for it. Mm-hmm. And then I show it to a company. And if they like it, they take it to market for me. And they do everything I really don't want to do, like manufacturing, <laughs> distribution, spending their own money, all the things I don't want to do. And right. They have, yeah, and they have the shelf space in place already. So exactly. it's licensing. Yeah, renting an idea to a company and, and collecting the royalty checks. There you go. Works for you. I, I have a patent on a product that I, I licensed for about 10 years. Um, to a company, and it was it was awesome. <laughs> Whenever those checks come, it's just like free money, and you're just doing the dance of joy. <laughs> well, I love that. I remember the first one I licensed was a small little Nerf basketball indoor basketball game, and Ohio Art had the license of Michael Jordan, and I love playing basketball. I'm fairly tall, and and I didn't like the backboard. It was really boring, and I thought Michael Jordan should be big. So I just took a poster and and put it on the back of the backboard and cut it out in the shape of Michael Jordan. And that simple idea that probably took about $10 to make and sold for 10 years. I collected royalties, and the first year was $100,000. Wow. So I was hooked. <laughs> Yeah, good return on 10 minutes of work. <laughs> I, I, I was hooked. I didn't realize I kept submitting other ideas to them, and he told me no. I, I, you know, looking back, I was very naive, and I think you have to be a little bit. Uh, but I just knew that 
if I could show a company a different way of selling a product and, and if it's sold, they would pay me. And, but I'm not saying it's the easiest thing to do. You're going to have a lot of rejection. Um, but all it takes is one. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, that's true. Yeah, so it's really a, a, a game now of creativity and coming up with as many ideas as you can and showing to those companies that need creative people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how do you test your products? What, what's your method? Uh, you know, it's really hard. I, what I do, I don't spend a lot of money on any particular product. I, I, don't, I like to sell the benefit first. So I don't care if I, if I come up with an idea, maybe it doesn't even work, Sarah, and I don't really care. Um, all I care about is, is the benefit strong enough where a company might say, hey, we're interested, please show me more. So I do that with a one-page sell sheet, which is just a one-page advertisement. Mm-hmm. It has a one-line, one-line benefit statement at the top. This is, what it, this is the benefit. It has a, a picture of a prototype. It could be ugly, or maybe it's even today. You can get a, a graphic artist to create something that looks real for you know, $50. Mm-hmm. It's then, amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. So I just yeah. show the benefit. This is what it does. And if they ask more, that's when I know, oh, okay, now I might have to build a prototype. I might have to do some other things. But I, I test the waters with a sell sheet, and that costs about $100. And I just mm-hmm. show it to a company and let them tell me if they like it or not. That's what I do. I love that. It's so simple and clean. You know, I mean, there's nothing, you're not really into it for anything other than coming up with the idea and maybe $100 if you couldn't draw yeah, it yourself. And- yeah, you know, it's funny. I had a, my partner, um, I had part of my career started at a toy company, Worlds of Wonder. And uh, we brought to market Teddy Ruxpin and Laser Tag, and I met this amazing illustrator, Russell Hicks. And, and I started out, I would come up with the ideas. He would sketch them up real quick, and I'd send them off to companies. It was so fast. And then eventually, once I made a relationship with some of these companies, I wouldn't even do a drawing anymore. Mm-hmm. I would just I would just do a one line benefit statement. Here it is, and maybe a little little you know some ad copy to spice it up a little bit, and say and send them ten ideas and go. Is anything on this page of interest to you? And they might say yes. And one example of that was um, it was called um, I called them sweet darts, plastic arrows with suction cups with little messages. I'm stuck on you. Um, straight to the heart. And that one little paragraph, a company licensed from me and did all the work, and, uh, and it came out on Valentine's at all the hallmarks. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say it must be a Valentine's item. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like those conversation hearts. My ideas are pretty um, – some of them have been inventions, but some of them just put a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I have a smile on my face right now just imagining what it looks like. <laughs> Um, so so let's talk a little bit about um, because you know everybody who's listening to my podcast is a product designer or inventor and um, so talk a little bit about the process of licensing I mean I obviously you talk about it in your book but I just want to hear you know a a little bit from you you know about what the key steps are you know for someone to have like for example like, how do you find the right people? Like, would you just call up all those shoes and be like, hey, I have a really cool shoe accessory. Can I send you a picture of it? You know, 
or or what what's kind of the process because it's obviously different than calling you know a store buyer you know and presenting your line sheet or something. Okay, it's actually real simple. If you have an idea, and there's a couple ways of doing this, but if you have an idea, let's say for a new hammer, okay, and I would go down to Home Depot or Lowe's and I would look at all the hammers. And I would try to find exactly where my hammer is going to be. So that's the first thing. Where's your, where's your product going to sell? If you have an idea, find that shelf space and go, my product would sell there. Then those are all the companies you're going to call. So that's how you identify who you're going to call. If mm-hmm. you have an idea you think should be at Walmart, go down to Walmart. Where will your product be? Find that shelf space and then call all those companies that are within that, that area, a big target. Now, that being said, you want to find companies that love us. Okay, you want to find those companies that have embraced open innovation, meaning that they want to look at ideas outside their own walls. Now, mm-hmm. people always ask me, why, do, why would they pay you? or Why would they work with you? Well, it's really simple. Most designers that work for companies are not happy. They're not happy because they're getting a paycheck. They're not happy because they're being told what to do. And they're not happy because their name isn't on the product. Right. Designers design because of love of creation. So when you know that, and because we're entrepreneurs, and because we love our ideas, and because we want to be in control of our lives. We're going to work seven days a week. We're going to work on a Sunday or Saturday. We're, we're going to work harder and longer because there are ideas and we're going to get recognized for them. So we can really out-design these guys. Um, and once you realize that, now it's just getting out ahead of them a little bit and realizing those companies are going to come out with a new product every single year. Mm-hmm. All right. So why don't we feed them ideas? And... Companies don't care about patents anymore, and that's a shock to people. Mm. I get to see licensing agreements every single week. Now we see a signed licensing agreement, and no one has a patent. Mm. So I tell everybody, stop watching Shark Tank. It's not real. (laughs) Number two, I tell everyone, and the reason why, because I'm a big patent holder too, and I've defended Mm. my patents in federal court against one of the small toy companies, Lego. Mm-hmm. And Just a little company. A little company. And I learned yeah. um, the life cycle of products is fairly short now. Of course, there's some evergreens, and of course, some will sell maybe for 10 years. But the life cycle is fairly short. In mm-hmm. fact, so short, it's not about patents anymore because it's hard to stop copycats regardless if you have a patent. Sure. And no and no one wants to go to court, right? And right. It's, a big, it's, a, it's a big world now because of the Internet and Amazon. So the point is, look, if someone copies you, congratulations, because they don't copy ideas that don't sell well. Mm-hmm. All right, so, that, so you have to get past that. So I tell everybody, look, find those companies that want to work with inventors. Find those companies that are fair and balanced, and you can ask some questions. But that's what it is. First thing, go down to the store, find out that shelf space, call that company and ask them, hey, I'm a product developer. Do you take outside submissions? And some will say no, but there's tons that will say yes. Right. Ask them what, 
ask them what their product submission policy is, ask them what's required, and start that relationship up, and then keep feeding them ideas. Yeah. And just become like their main source, right? I mean, because you're... Yeah. It's up to you well, to do that. Yeah, you know what's happening? You're working for them for free. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're going to pay you in a royalty. Right. Now, some industries have been doing it forever. One industry, the toy industry, has been doing that forever. So that's a business model that's not unusual to them. Some of the other ones eh, might be fairly new, but the hot hot items now, of course, the kitchen industry. There's a lot of companies that are looking for ideas. The pet industry, uh, as seen on TV, of course. There's all these guys that need us, but mm-hmm. you have to um, be a professional, be patient. You have to be reasonable, and you have to, to you have to be in the game. By meaning that if you get rejected, come back with another one, and if they see that that you're not going away, they're going <laughs> to tell you what they're looking for. And then all right, well, that's that's great. I could go yeah. forever. Well, of course, I I could listen. Um, I have a question. So you talked about you mentioned that companies don't care about patents these days, mm-hmm. and so so talk a little bit more about that. Just because I I know, I mean, mm-hmm. tons of people hold patents and feel like they're so you know protected from it, even though mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like you and I both know that right, like you were saying, any good patent's going to get knocked off or slightly changed. You know that mm-hmm. something you didn't see, and they're going to patent over your patents or whatever. And um, but so when you're approaching a company and you don't have a patent on, you're just like, oh yay, here's my idea for a new water bottle, and they say, oh cool. Well, what keeps them if you don't have a patent on it from just saying, well, thanks for the great idea, see ya. You know, because I know people are probably thinking that because I'm thinking the same thing. You know, They're all, everybody thinks that. Um, I gave a talk at the USPTO just two weeks ago on how to license an idea without a patent. Now, imagine me talking <laughs> about That's kind, kind of an oxymoron, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But I love that, yeah. I, I know. And they, they've had, I've done that twice now, and they keep on bringing me back to tell that story because this is what's happened. They know that. And they, they know that 97% of all patents never recoup the cost it takes to file them. Sure. Okay, they know that. Everybody knows that. So mm-hmm. they also know that um, intellectual property is perceived ownership. Right. Okay, so what does that really mean? That means, well, there's people can work around you and who wants to argue in court, all that kind of stuff. So well, I tell everybody, look, some companies might want a patent. Okay. Some companies, a lot of companies think they want a patent. Okay. But the real smart companies know it's not patents that's important. It's good customer service. Mm-hmm. It's relationships, mm-hmm. telling your mm-hmm. story. It, it's all the things that makes up, makes up good businesses, right? So, but what you want to do is have a well-written provisional patent application. Okay. And a well-written provisional patent application now does have value. And we, we, the licensing deals we see, and we see so many of them, they're only done with the provisional patent application. Now, mm. that being said, let's be real smart about it. Your provisional patent application should have a couple things. 
You should do your own prior art searching so you know similar ideas. It's always important to know variations of your idea or what someone's done before you, and that's easy to do. It takes some work, but you'll never find everything, so don't go crazy. Uh, number two, make sure you have a lot of drawings. Drawings are worth a thousand words, right? And right. And make sure that you st steal your idea from yourself. Wow, what do you mean steal it? Steal yeah. it from yourself, meaning come up with variations. How would someone work around you? How would, how would they get around you? Figure that out and put those variations in your provisional patent application. Mm. So, so not only have you protected your invention, you have protected the innovation. Right, okay. and all the so, people who could think of these things instead of you. Yes, so now this has value, and no one can really do that but you. Mm -hmm. So you, you can't really have your attorney do that. It, it costs you so much, and they're not going to do the level of work. You can, though, because you love what you're doing. But don't go crazy with it. So you file your provisional patent application, and it, it really now that tool is a selling tool, not a protection tool. A selling tool. So, so when that company says, well, do you have a patent on that? And you say, well, I've got a provisional patent application. They says, well, can we see it? And you're saying, absolutely, you can. So you might ask them to send the, you know, file, uh, sign an NDA, which I don't think you need to, personally. I'm not a patent right. attorney. I'm not legal advice, but I don't think so. I'm and with you. It does have a sense of professionalism, but nothing more, because it's done state by state by state. It's not even federal. NDA. Right, right. So, so you show them this, this provisional patent application. They know what they say. They look at it and go, wow, look at all the drawings. This person's really done their homework. There's some value. And then that CEO asks their legal person, says, look, are they going to get a patent on this? And that's the gray area. No one can say yes or no. Right. And that's why they license ideas. Because they know it's about business, not about protection. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. But you've given them the opportunity now that you could file a non-provisional after a year, or maybe they file it. Right. Right. Or get them to pay for it. So you're playing um, a game of taking away risk. You're leveraging the power of a of a, the, the of the USPTO and those tools, but you're not getting caught up spending twenty thousand dollars on something that might not work. Right. Yeah. Or more. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I hear all the stories. I spent forty thousand dollars on my patent. I'm like, you haven't even sold one yet. <laughs> well, here's what breaks my heart too. And um, patent attorneys do not want to turn you away. Sure. And they they don't want to tell you, hey, do your homework and do this, and because you might not come back. Okay, and their job is really to protect your invention. So mm -hmm. there, there's a kind of a conflict here a little bit, right? Right. Yeah, so I tell everybody, look, you really have to educate yourself, and if you do that, and when and if you do file a patent, it's going to be a better patent um, because you have done the homework and you do become the expert. Mm -hmm. but, but, but make sure you test the market and see if it has value before you spin the money, I have 20 patents, so I, I know what that's like. Sure. Um, and I know that some of them probably I shouldn't have filed. Yeah. So, 
you have to be smart about it, and only you can control your destiny, and, and don't put it in the hands of anybody else but you. I totally agree. I mean, my, my patent was filed back in 2003, and we had a lawyer do it because I didn't know you, and I didn't know what I was doing, and we definitely would have benefited from thinking harder about how other people could reinvent our invention, you know, because we just had a design patent. And, um, you know, and someone did something, it's not the same thing at all, but it's sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve the same purpose. But it's annoying when you come up with something that you're, you've been selling for a long time and then you're like, wait a minute, they're ripping me off. <laughs> um, well, it, it is. And it happened, you know, I've been through the whole thing. So um, I know what it's like. I mean, I was actually working with the company and Lego and, and um, did their, they wanted my, my technology and we signed NDAs and they gave me artwork and I built it. And for some reason, they thought they could work around it. And um, I ended up, you know, they, it was on a number one hit toy around the world and it drove me out of my mind. Mm. Uh, how could that happen? So Long story short, I, I sued them in San Francisco Federal Court, and we settled two weeks before I went to trial. But it took me three years. Wow. So, yeah, I have a different perspective on it. Um, I think you have to be, um, you have to remove all your emotions. It's really hard to mm. when that happens, right? So, mm-hmm. but anyway, that's a whole other topic. But I do believe that with a well-written provisional patent application, finding a company that wants to work with you that's fair and balanced, do their homework. Whoever you want to work with, make sure you type in their name, type in complaints, type in lawsuits. Find that company that's going to treat you like royalty and give them that perceived ownership. Show them that clear benefit that their customers are going to love and uh, keep doing it. That's what licensing is all about. I know. That sounds so simple. <laughs> and, uh, and now you talk about it, and I obviously... I can, you know, there's all these millions of steps that you talked about, and I think it's so, but it is so clear and simple that if you follow, you know, your plan, right, your one simple idea plan, that it really does work, you know, if, you're, if you've got the right product to the right people. And, and I think that that's a lot of the homework, obviously, is finding the right companies in how you were saying that. Um, yeah. what, Everybody gets tripped up in the process when mm-hmm. um, once you learn the process, then that's not a big deal. It's really giving them an idea that works for them. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, in your book, you talk a bit too about licensing products that you um, don't even, that you don't make, but you get them, you don't even come up with them, but get them from other designers, right? <laughs> if I was younger, I, I, I would have done this. Um, I realized that for you to, to license an idea doesn't require for it to be your idea. Mm-hmm. In fact, it doesn't require for it to be a unique idea. And that's really crazy to say because the technology that I had licensed and collected royalties for basically 20 years had been done 70 years ago, but it never came to market. And I just mm-hmm. found a way to bring it to market through manufacturing techniques. So it's really interesting to, to think that um, that you can you can do it in a couple different ways. I, I don't think um, there's exactly one way to do it, but you just have to find 
um, an idea that someone wants, right? I think that's really comes down to that, Sarah. And, and people don't realize that it doesn't have to be a great idea. It can be a, a good idea. It can be a good idea. It doesn't have to be a great idea. Um, but yeah, the, the whole patenting process is very, very interesting, and it's confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's an argument over words, and words can be interpreted by a jury, a patent examiner, a judge. Um, and so I, I, I look at it that way and go, well, mm-hmm. let's don't get, let's, let's have it, let's understand, it, let's use it as one of our tools, not, not the main tool, but just one of the tools. Right. True. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your inventors group of America. So, okay. I, you know, you've touched briefly on it, but you were, you know, speaking at the USPTO. But how, how does your group work? Can people, jo- anybody join it? Do you have to be a certain person <laughs> or of a certain well, stature? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, there were some issues. Um, we need stronger patents, and they've been chipped away at over the years, and I didn't realize that. And until I met some people that were explaining to me that I need to get involved. So, and I happen to know quite a few groups across the country just because I've been, they're good friends of mine. And I, I realized they didn't have a voice at, in Washington and they didn't mm-hmm. have a voice at the USPTO. They weren't being represented correctly. And I saw that and I thought, well, this is crazy. These are wonderful people and they're dedicated, they're angels. And there's a lot of, groups across America, but they didn't know each other. And because of we have technology today called Zoom, where we can, mm-hmm. everybody can come together and they can see each other. I just said, look, why don't we all get together and talk to each other and get to know each other even better? And I can introduce one group from New York to the group in San Diego. And hey, how do you run your group? And what works and what doesn't? And I found that by sharing that information, it allowed them to, to do things, try things and become stronger. And and I thought, well, this is really wonderful. Now that they know each other, um, now it was time for the USPTO to know who we are, and we weren't organized that way. So there wasn't just voice at the USPTO or on Capitol Hill that would represent inventors. So I thought, okay, why don't we just go and, and put a, a – we had our first national event April 17th at the USPTO, and about 25 presidents of inventing groups across the nation came together with another 25 board members or people just involved. We all came together and spent three days. Uh, the first day was at the USPTO. We had the new, com- the new director of the USPTO that just got appointed by, by President Trump. He was there, spoke, um, the commissioner of patents, and they recognized us now. IGA, Inventors Groups of America, as a group that they need to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the next day we went to Capitol Hill. We, we, we put eight teams together and we went and knocked on our doors and had appointments with our representatives talking about how we need stronger patents. And then the third day we went to the Smithsonian and had a private tour of all the cool inventions. So what is it? I mean, what is this new organization? It's really simple. Um, you, you can find us by going to inventleaders.org. Um, 
the goal is to empower and educate inventors, but also inventor inventing leaders. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's really to it's really to educate anybody who's got an idea how to commercialize it. What are the best practices? And I want to help. I want to bring the community together. I want us to provide roadmaps for everyone, no matter if you have a, a simple idea or a life-changing idea or, or, or you want to venture it or you want to license it. I want to bring the community together where it's a safe place and we can share our stories and share our roadmaps so we have a higher rate of success. And, and, so maybe, and maybe not spend money on those patents that we don't need or prototypes or, or, or all the things that we do are, are – so that's the goal, and uh, I'm really proud to have started that. Uh, I'm proud to walk the halls of Capitol Hill and represent inventors. Mm-hmm. And, I um, bet. So it was, it was uh, um, something that needed to be done, and I stepped up and said, okay, I'll do it. And I didn't realize how much work it would take, but, um, <laughs> you know, like everything else, I would say yes. Right, um, yeah. Sure, pile it so, on. So it's really, we're trying to figure out, how do we we got the membership of the leaders pretty well organized now we're trying to figure out how do we help inventors overall that's mm-hmm. our next piece to it and mm-hmm. um part of the goal is to drive people to inventor groups but part of the goal is just provide good information there you go right right well you'll let me know if i can help drive some traffic to the inventor group i'd be happy to do that <laughs> to help out thank um, you Sarah, you know what's important. It, it, your your listeners, um, my listeners, the readers, um, need that need a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it, it's our job because you you've done you've had your experience, right? You know what works, what doesn't, right? And if you can help that one person avoid some mistake, you've done a great job. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. So I think we're all together in this. We're all in the same Mm -hmm. boat. We all have the same dreams. We we all need to come together and help. I totally agree. Well, where can can everybody find you besides Inventors Group of America? Well, I would tell everybody um, that if you you want to learn a little bit more about licensing, we have our own – well, we have a YouTube channel called Invent Right. You don't want to invent wrong. You want to invent right, R-I-G-H-T, Invent Right mm-hmm. TV. And there's over 300 videos of how to license ideas. So that's the first place. Um, and they're like potato chips. Once you watch one, you've got to have another one. So right. I think you'll listen to it. Uh, and then the other thing, if you want more information, if you go to inventright.com, you'll see that we have a lot of free resources. And one of the free resources is that I believe I have the largest library on, on the topic of licensing because I've been writing for 10 years for places like Entrepreneur or Inc. and now Forbes. So dive in. It's free. Just dive in. Um, so that's the two things. Educate yourself uh, with my library. Watch the videos. Pick up one simple idea. It's a yellow book. And has the roadmap in there too. And get off the couch and have fun. And don't be afraid. Um, don't be guided by fear. Just educate yourself and and get in the game as fast as you can. You'll love it. 
Awesome advice. Thank you, Stephen. It was a pleasure speaking to you, and I look forward to connecting with you in the future and following you on your YouTube channel and reading some of your articles as well. Thank you again. No, thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.